Welcome back to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. On episode 32, we'll give you an update on our last couple weeks of travel and our interview with Amy Hatch with Garage Grown Gear. And we're back for another episode. We are excited to share a whole slew of stuff that's happened in the last couple weeks. It's been kind of a whirlwind. We enjoyed some nice time seeing Jake's family in Wisconsin. The dairy state. Go Packers. <laughs> and while we were there, we actually got a really cool um, graphic wrap for our hiker trailer that turned out amazing. Yeah, so we the kind of segue into that, we really had a couple, uh, every time we set up at a gas station, people were like, hey, what is that? And, you know, and wanted to kind of check it out and honk at us as they're driving on the interstate. Uh, giving <laughs> us the thumbs up. So we just wanted uh, something to kind of help promote our brand and, you know, what we're about and you know hopefully people check out our website and social media and all that good stuff well we figured with all the miles we're putting on what a great way to advertise besides just online since we are you know on the road and what better thing do people have to do when you're a passenger on the road but you know research stuff online so and the cool part is uh part of the graphics are uh ones that amy took when she was at half dome yeah in yosemite so it's pretty pretty fun picture i like it <laughs> yeah, so uh, we were able to load up everything and really head out west, um, and that's kind of when we noticed we got a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, and that was before we even went to the storage unit, so that was just the extra food boxes that um, Jake's parents had stored for us that they were going to be mailing them out for us on when we did the through hike, and since, of course, we cut that short, we you know still wanted to use the food, didn't want it to go to waste, and it was or heavy boxes. Yeah, they're definitely heavy. So kudos to the UPS or USPS or whoever delivered the packages, <laughs> um, got them to us. Um, but it was definitely heavy. It was perfectly fine on flat parts for going 55 on highways. But it was really when we had going against the wind up a hill, it could definitely tell. And with our vehicle, it was not a brand new vehicle. It was a 2005 Ford Escape with 190,000 plus miles on it. And a rebuilt transmission. So it was all a matter of time before the life of that was going to come to the end. Um, but so once we were heading out west, we did make a pit stop in Vermilion. Well, it was actually just south of Vermilion. There's the bridge. That's, it was in Nebraska, wasn't it? Yeah. The, so we actually stayed at a, we boondocked at a spot that was a free camp spot on the Nebraska side of the bridge. On the other side, you're like four miles from Vermilion in South Dakota. And it was super flooded, which was cool to see. I mean, I've never seen, is it the Missouri? It was the Missouri, the Missouri River. That flooded, it was crazy. And then they had this little um, historic kind of walk and overlook you could do and read about the Lewis and Clark expedition and how they stopped out there when they did you know, their um, um, surveying of the land. And so that was really interesting. I enjoyed that little detour. Yeah, so uh, we met a fellow boondocker that was there. I believe it was his second night he was there. 
it's kind of funny. Amy thought it was a, a serial killer. I mean, it was a shady looking van that this kid was staying in. But uh, yeah, it, and it, like he parked like in the high grass. I'm like, oh my god, Jake, this guy's a murderer. Like, I'm gonna take pictures of his license plate, like just in case. And, like, I took a picture like when he came back to camp. Well, then he starts like walking over, and I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna get killed. And then I was like, oh well, what it's light out, so probably not. And then we were like, oh, he's a young kid. And then he's like, hey, are you guys locals? And he just had some questions for us about. Um, if he could stay there because he didn't really know he'd heard about it as well from the same like website we used to look for free sites which is just free campsites.net and we're like well in general like this is what you can do and so um, we actually invited him over um, to the you know to our trailer for s'mores if he wanted and then we heard his story and that was pretty fun he um, is doing an internship with a really good quality company that makes like horse trailers and like the what are the ones called that not tray tra play trailers but the ones that um, uh different toy haulers toy and haulers. stuff like that yeah and so he's an engineer or he's just finishing up school so he's doing a summer internship and so he's gonna just try to live in his van for the summer which i think and, is smart because it's like and his big thing you know he didn't have any college debt or anything like that and you know his friends were making fun of him you know because essentially he doesn't have any debt you know he was just very wise with his spending, it was his fifth year in school. You know, he's like, no biggie, but I'm graduating with no debt. So yes. we've definitely uh, given him lots of kudos for that. And we actually ended up giving him a couple meals. Um, boxes. You know, boxes of meals. So he probably had about 15 days plus worth of food. So he is very appreciative. He was funny because he said, you must have been poor college students yourself at one time. We're like, yep, and they're done that. <laughs> Yeah, so it was pretty uh, pretty cool to be able to just kind of chat with him and just right on Missouri, just seeing the that big of a body of water going across. It was um, pretty cool. But really kind of driving, the hiker wasn't towing, you know, what we really wanted it to. Um, and we were just kind of imagining and just kind of talking on the rest of our drive of, you know, what happens if we're going up this steep incline through the Beartooth Pass in Montana and you know the transmission gives out i mean you're pretty much sol you know and trying to get a tow let alone get service to get a tow well um, but even that is like possible. a two-lane road so if you stall traffic because your vehicle like transmission failed imagine how horrible and good luck getting a tow. like how does people get up there anyway yeah you don't uh, want to be that guy like so we kind of felt in the back of our mind that we probably needed to get a different vehicle or completely downsize. And we didn't even get to our storage unit storage unit yet to get all of our stuff. Um, so we we're just kind of pre-planning on the drive. Um, but we were finally able to get make it back um, into South Dakota and the Black Hills. And we we're able to, to see reunite with Pippi, which was absolutely awesome. It was probably the most difficult goodbye I had <laughs> saying goodbye to her. Um, but, but it you was... Know, a bittersweet to be able to see her um you know we're no longer on the trail but to be able to you know man's best friend right there well and it was so cute because um we think she was actually happy to see sammy you know sammy's a handful very excited all the time and so sometimes baby gets annoyed with him but she did look genuinely happy to see him and of course she was so happy to see us and it was really cute so we um of course, now have both of the babies with us. and Yeah. Um, so when we were in South Dakota, one of the things that I always love is uh, with Amy's parents' dogs and our dogs, just letting them go go for daily walks and run and swim and 
have fun. You can probably hear uh, Sammy in the background. He probably didn't get enough exercise today. He's a little squirmy. <laughs> well, um, but then my parents, they have a dog. She's a yellow lab, and she always loves to um, roll in cow manure. And while Pippi was with my parents, Pippi now also learned this trait. So now Pip is a little cow manure um, roller as well. Yeah. it's. I gave her three baths, and she still had the green color of the fresh manure on her. At one point in time, so it was just, uh, it, it was uh, interesting going for walks with them. Um, yeah. But they absolutely love and just seeing the joy in, in them, you know, I kind of get the, the joy this uh, same way. So really, we kind of started planning our trip out west, and that kind of helped us realize we needed a new vehicle after talking with Amy's dad. You know, he was just being like, oh, you got to check out here, you got to check out there. Well, and dad has been, I mean, gosh all over Montana, Wyoming, He's Canada. been up to the Yukon. I mean, just everywhere. Alaska. I mean, you, you know, after, he's been everywhere. And after talking to him, we're like, oh, well, gosh, well, maybe we should spend the summer in Canada. Oh, well, maybe we should. Oh, well, that sounds amazing. And he's like, you know, salmon fishing over here and doing this. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. And so anyway, we're like, okay, we have to rein it in. We, we already had planned, like, to go up to the northwestern part of the U.S. and then do a couple weeks in Vancouver, B.C. So we're like, okay, let's do that since we like have the funding for that and like there's always another summer to do like you know something else so because canada i mean gosh you can just do a little section of canada and it's yeah we're talking kind of like bamp there bamp area and, and yeah i mean so pretty much that kind of helped us range it in and you know we we know we're heading out west towards yellowstone and you know eventually making our way to washington and oregon you know and along the way he's like all right you got to check out nevada city and you know essentially marking up our atlas and we're like hey go to town on it give us some key points cool different places to to check out so that, that'll be part of our experience of kind of heading out west but that really kind of ignited our vehicle buying experience uh, which uh amy wrote an awesome blog article on it but it did not encapsulate i believe is the right word <laughs> our emotions that were yeah taken i wanted with it i wanted to call title the article buying a used vehicle is a nightmare and then i'm like well maybe i should change that and so it is now titled buying a used vehicle on a budget and so there's lots of tips and tricks in there you can definitely check that out but essentially the highlights of it is just, you know, if you're buying or selling a vehicle, make sure that the title from whoever you're buying from is clear and that they actually have it in hand. Um, that was actually, um, we had two other vehicles that we had been looking at before we got the one we did and they were from private sellers and they have both had liens on their vehicle and it was, it went coming to find out it was super common. So that was really annoying, especially when you're, you know, on a time crunch of trying to get something because um, if the title's on a lien, it takes at least two weeks to have a new title issued to the owner, and then they have to then send it to you once they've signed it, and it's just kind of a nightmare. Yeah, it was definitely a process and very interesting, stressful, but we finally got, I think it was kind of blessing in disguise, the vehicle that we got. I got a 2006 Mercury Mountaineer V8 engine. 75,000 miles. Yep, yeah, only one owner, one or two owners, but I mean... The service record was, you know, thick as a book that every single oil changed. So just that peace of mind. Um, well, yeah. And shout out to Goodrich um, Motors in Spearfish, South Dakota. Casey did a great job for us. He actually like him and his dad were like, we know a guy and they got it for us. So that was really cool um, to have that, especially with the type of traveling we're doing. 
that we wanted to be able to feel safe and secure in our vehicle because we're going to be in the middle of nowhere. It's not like we're doing cities and stuff like the whole point is to not be <laughs> where yeah. everyone else is at. So. Yeah. And our, uh, our vehicle would have been fine for a week and getaways and everything like that. But honestly, it for what we're doing, as Amy said, you know, it was not going to be a safe option on there. So enough on the vehicle rant. We're happy I, with it. We're, ha- <laughs> we're happy with it. Everyone has had an experience buying a vehicle. It's like cell phones. No one wants to do it. But once it's over, you can breathe. Yeah. Um, but one of the things we did um, in the whole, in the mi- middle of the whole car buying debacle, because we thought there was a vehicle we were going to get and we had to wait uh, like five days for it to be repaired. Uh, we're like, oh, well, why don't we go do like a section hike? So we actually did a 38 mile section hike of the Centennial Trail in the Black Hills National Forest, which was a pilot knob trailhead to the Akali Creek Trailhead, which is actually just outside of Sturgis. And we did the south to north section. And oh man, it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. And, you know, we came across some different tree falls from a, a snowstorm that they had a couple weeks ago. Um, so that, that was. That's always fun and interesting, you know, lugging your pack over or under a, a fallen tree. But, you know, the creeks were flowing very fast. We didn't really didn't have to worry about water. Well, um, we had to worry about the dogs getting swept yes. away. So Jake, like, carried them across the, the, their little harnesses to make sure they didn't get swept away. Didn't have to worry about drinking water, I should have said. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we actually did do a video compilation on YouTube of just the views along that section hike because it was just so stunningly gorgeous. And one of the things I just adore about the Black Hills is how amazing those cloud formations are. Like, every day, you're just like, it's another beautiful day. Jake's like, uh, your voiceover is a little redundant but i'm like it's just so pretty out here so you have to check it out (laughs) yeah um so yeah we got our new used vehicle you know a couple days after our our section hike of the centennial trail and uh, we really kind of got everything dialed in with the four seasons worth of gear the vehicle and, and jake makes that sound like it was just a oh we packed it up um we had a lot of stuff and it took us a good while to like figure out what to take and what not to take and what did we have doubles of like it was just it's a lot harder than you think it would be especially because it's all seasons is where we'll be out yeah so that was really kind of the the biggest challenge and you know also the game with tetris at the storage unit for shoving stuff in and out it was just very interesting but anyways we feel like we have it dialed in now um we you know, setting up camp, I think it'll be a breeze. We've got everything that we need to be able to, whether we want to do a, a charcoal um, meal or just fire up the propane and just grill something up quick. I think we got it pretty well uh, squared away. Well, we only forgot one thing, which was the collars for the dogs. They were hanging up on a hook. After being washed yeah. because they roll in manure. <laughs> so now we got to get new ones. And then as we were camping in um, uh, Wyoming last night, it got a little chilly and we're like we should have brought the down comforter so anyway we most likely will be getting a down comforter yeah a goodwill trip will be in our future or if we pass by family and they're getting rid of stuff we're gonna be like hey you got any blankets you want to get rid of yeah because they're gonna be used by the dogs as well 
Yeah, that's one of the things I've actually been really enjoying about traveling full time is seeing everybody like, hey, we're going to be in town next week. Or we just um, messaged one of our friends and we thought he lived in a different town than he did. So we missed him, even though he was actually in the town we went through this morning. It's like, ah, so. Um, but anyway, it's it's been fun to see people and I'm looking forward to seeing more people. And then also like there's certain like people that follow us that like you, you know, you just get to end up knowing these people because you see what they're doing and they see what you're doing. You, and you develop this relationship and then like, Hey, well, if you're going to be up here, like, let me know, we'll go on a hike together. We'll do this. And so that's been really fun to get those email messages. And, um, I don't know. I'm really excited to see how, um, people like are supporting our journey and like seeing more followers and more, um, interactions and it's just been really cool. So I just personally th just want to thank everybody for all the um, support you've given because it's cool to um, to see that, especially when you know this journey is kind of uncertain, you know, because it's new and different. And um, well, I feel like we're finally off like a <laughs> turn of hurdles. This is my grandma <laughs> always says she's 82, and growing up. She'd always say to us, because I'm the youngest of three girls, and she's like, oh, and rough? And then all of us would say, like a herd of turtles, because it always took us so long to get ready. And that's how it felt the last couple weeks at my parents' place, because we couldn't find a vehicle and all this stuff. So. Yeah. So we are headed out west, and that's where we're at. We're on the road right now, so... Yeah, and I'm super excited for you guys to hear um, the podcast uh, interview with uh, Amy from Garage Grown Gear. Uh, they're a really interesting company, and they're doing a lot of cool things in the industry of gear, especially with small companies. So enjoy. Hope you guys enjoy. Cheers. Garage Grown Gear is dedicated to supporting the growth of small door companies, startups, and cottage industry vendors. They believe there is something inherently wonderful about supporting new ideas, and the new brands that spark fresh conversations and innovation within the outdoor industry. Founded in 2014, the Garage Grown Gear team is a collection of backcountry skiers, ultralight backpackers, paddlers, ultramarathoners, climbers, and generally outdoorsy people. The curated online store carries gear, apparel, and food while featuring an online magazine with gear reviews, brand profiles, Kickstarter roundups, and outdoor stories and news. Garage Grown Gear loves supporting the growth of small businesses and couldn't do it without their wonderful community. By rocking the gear and apparel from small companies, you automatically become an ambassador for that brand for them. You transform into a connection point between the incredible products and companies you support and the person who is unaware of such products and companies exist. Welcome to the Unnamed Adventures podcast. Uh, today we're joined by co-founder Amy Hatch of Garage Grown Gear. Welcome, Amy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to both of you. I'm just so excited to be here. So, yeah, excited to get this going. Yeah, no, we've uh, always checked out your guys' website, and it's always cool to see the those little niche brands and everything that uh, you guys are able to support and be able to identify. So, I guess to kick off, uh, what what is your background? I saw kind of in your profile a little bit of journalism, dabbed your hands into entrepreneurship, so... I guess you could enlighten us. Yeah, no, um, gosh, yeah, I don't know that there's like a typical background for being an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, I think it's like sort of in our nature to, <laughs> to think outside the box and like, take our own path in life. Um, but I have definitely known 
since like high school that um, I wanted to have a business, be around small businesses, and um, it's sort of like with hindsight, it's really easy to connect the dots that I would do a startup focused on helping other small startup and cottage outdoor gear brands. Like those, those, that thread has been in my life in various forms um, really since high school. And I do have just like notebooks of business ideas. Even now, even with Garage Grown Gear being wonderfully successful, it doesn't like necessarily stop the deluge of business ideas that are always going through my head. I just have to, you know, rein it in and remember to focus on the business at hand. Um, so yeah, I mean, beyond that, I would say the other thing that is like a key part of my background is writing and journalism um, really before getting into business. And my first business was a business called Jackson Hole Packraft. Um, I focused on community journalism and did a lot of freelance writing, worked at a TV news station. Um, so kind of media and content is a like another area that I had in my background, but like I was a liberal studies major and a business minor. Like, I mean, I think I definitely had a very circuitous path to garage room gear. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I know Amy, my Amy, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. we're kind of the same with all the business ideas. I and mean, we've got the notebook and it's like, which direction do we go? And, you know, we're, we're getting to that point where we're just kind of discovering you know, the different areas that we want to go and, you know, talking with people like yourself, you know, just gives us encouragement, uh, and different pathways to go. Yeah. yeah Cause we're planning on, um, traveling full time for a few years and like doing seasonal work as we go. And we have our podcast and blog. And so we want to be able to kind of use this, um, as a way to find out more about what other people are doing that are create like creatively living their lives and kind of making an impact in the outdoor world. And, um, yeah, so we thought we'd ask next to what is your favorite outdoor activity? Um, yeah, no, I'm happy to ask, answer that question. Um, but I'm really kind of curious. I know I'm sidetracking the conversation, but what are some of the <laughs> um, ideas that are bubbling up for you guys as you're kind of embarking on this journey? Well, one of them that all of our family and friends, as we've been traveling around, we've been all over, we put on how many, like 3,000 miles, I think over that in the last like two months. <laughs> and they're too all many- like, too, too many miles and not enough activities, <laughs> right. like just hanging out in the wild. Yeah. wild. So we're, we're looking forward to slowing it down a little bit, but. Yeah. So, um, we have two dogs that we travel with and, um, it's very challenging sometimes traveling with dogs, especially if you go to national parks or, um, like we were in Key West and it was super hot and we were like, what do we do with our dogs? And so it kind of can limit you sometimes. And it, and it really opened our eyes to, you know, maybe having like a dog kenneling business, like outside of one of the national parks someday, or, you know, wherever we decide to end up, you know, would be, that could be something, um, that would be a great entrepreneur idea because people always have their pets with them, you know, and, and always spend too much money on their pets. And it's like, we're guilty of that as well. So we're like, as am I, like, it's more satisfying to buy like a piece of gear for my dogs than myself sometimes. <laughs> well, I, was, I was always joking, like, our dogs have better gear than I do for backpacking. I'm like, what, what's up with this? Like all matching perfect gear and like I got this mismatched stuff. I'm like, come on. Yeah, it's true. No, it's 
true. I even have, like, I don't know if you've um, come across Wild River. They make sleeping bags for dogs. So my dog even has, like, its own sleeping, her own sleeping bag. When we did a section hike on the Appalachian Trail, and when we were prepping for it, we were like, well, do we get our, because we had a red healer dog that came with us, so he just he has, like, a shorter hair. We're like, well, we do get him a sleeping bag. Do we not get him a sleeping bag? And I couldn't bring myself to get him a sleeping bag. We're like, well, we can just snuggle in between the two of us, and he, we got him a little fleece jacket that is essentially was his sleeping bag. It worked pretty good, but yeah. probably would have if it was winter but <laughs> so, yeah to- totally condition dependent for sure and I actually do use jackets for my dogs as well so um but yeah so that I, one I think that's actually a pretty phenomenal business idea of living right outside Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Park um I certainly sort of see that opportunity on a day-to-day basis and see the need for it in a big way um, yeah, and then to answer your question on my favorite outdoor activity, um, I'm definitely someone that like dabbles in everything, everything from trail running to mountain biking to pack rafting to skate skiing and, and of course backpacking and ultralight backpacking. Um, but I would say that like if I had to, if you had to like pin me down on a favorite backcountry skiing is like my true true love I live minutes from Teton Pass and just like all winter long like skinning into the mountains and backcountry skiing is kind of my true love oh that's awesome yeah I have not had the opportunity yet to backcountry ski but I have um grown up skiing I actually learned how to ski when I was like five in Big Sky Montana and oh, nice so great so I want to actually get into it and Jake does too so I'm like all right that's on our list while we're traveling is to yeah. try that no it's definitely one of those things that there's kind of a not like an incredibly high barrier to entry but you know equipment costs a lot training costs money and time to make sure you're you know avalanche aware figuring out terrain and where to go I mean there's definitely some logistics involved figuring it all out but that moment when you just like take off into the mountains and you're just out there you know it's quiet you might you're just with a couple of friends and you're skiing untracked powder all day every day like my skiing has definitely gotten worse in the past 10 years because I'm always skiing powder because I'm earning my turns um it's just like a really magical experience to just have that sort of quiet and to get to have that feeling of flow in the mountains and in kind of a very different energy than what you would find at the resort. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of avalanches, I actually did take an avalanche training course a couple winters ago, and the people that taught it were from the Grand Tetons, like, ski patrol or whatever. It was a really... Uh, really great course it was so eye-opening just to you know the dangers of skiing and um, you know backcountry skiing and all that stuff but uh, what's one of the craziest things that you've experienced whether it's you know crazy business venture or injury or something that happened out doing your adventures hmm that's a good question (laughs) the craziest thing I've experienced um 
Yeah, I mean, I've certainly been in all sorts of misadventures in my life. Like, that's just part of <laughs> part of it. When you spend time outdoors, things don't always go as planned. Um, but I would say probably, like, the craziest thing, I, I'm going to actually draw that back to garage-grown gear and just talk about, like, it was such sort of an epic journey to launch a business. I mean, to have this sort of idea that I wanted to create a hub um, that supports small stop, startup and cottage outdoor gear brands, uh, create an online store where people can come and shop for the gear and discover these brands and support the little guys, create an online magazine that tells the story, uh, doing this all while I have a at the time, a one-and-a-half-year-old at home and being a new mom, um, to take that sort of idea and go through all the little and huge steps to turning that into a reality, everything from finding investors, um, at, you know, figuring out how to even launch an e-commerce store. I had no technical background going into this. Um, eventually finding Lloyd, who is my co-founder and business partner, you know, just like keeping at it day after day during some definitely like really wonderful times and then also some definitely like really dark, hard times. I mean, I kind of look back on that journey and I'm like, wow, that was that was pretty crazy. Like, I'm so glad to be where I am and to like have this profession that I love and to be doing something that I feel is making a strong and meaningful impact in the world um, and the journey of getting there was pretty crazy in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's entrepreneurship. I mean, there's no, yeah. as much as you can write a, write a business plan or have a plan for something, there's always the unexpected that you're, <laughs> you're oh going to be. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I feel like you know, when you're in the outdoors, I actually this is different for you guys because you are doing it for years with traveling and adventuring. But like typically you're like, if I'm doing a race or something, it's like a day. Or if I'm doing a trip, it's a week. And to just be on sort of this adventure for I'm now six years in with Garage Grown Gear. <laughs> it's just like, you're like totally in it and you're totally along for the ride. So... <laughs> So kind of a carry carry on from that. I mean, what inspired you or made you to decide to start Garage Grown Gear? Yeah. And, and, and really in what, in your words, what is Garage Grown Gear? Yeah. So I would say Garage Grown Gear is really a hub that spotlights small startup and cottage outdoor gear brands um, and particularly ultralight small startup and cottage outdoor gear brands, um, ultralight backpacking brands. Um, so I, we really were at 75 plus, I think close to 80 brands now um, that we carry through our online store. Uh, we have, you know, we test all of the gear we sell ourselves. We get to know the founders of all of these cool small companies that we work with. You know, in a lot of cases, we've become really good friends, actually, with a lot of the people that we work with and support. Um, and then uh, 
kind of on the customer side of things, it's a place where you can come discover what's cool, new, and innovative uh, shop differently than you would if you're shopping big box, you know, big box brands sold through big box retailers. Uh, really support the little guys and kind of have a more, like a stronger connection to your outdoor gear. I kind of think of it as like the farm to table of the outdoor gear world. Like in a lot of times, you know, like the fanny pack you're wearing, like that was made by Paul in his house or like the hiking skirt you're wearing that was made by Mandy in her house. And to like really just like have that sort of direct connection to outdoor gear. Um, I absolutely love that. That just gave me the chills. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and then one of the reasons why we really wanted to have you guys on our podcast is that um, when we were researching our section, like for the AT, you guys keep on, you guys kept on coming up, and I'm like, oh, what is Garage Grown Gear? And researching you guys, and like, this is so awesome that a company is helping other like small companies get their brand out there, because a lot of times it's hard it is a consumer to know where to go, and especially like. Um, on your guys' site, you have these like niche products or really unique things that you're like, I didn't even know it was out there. So having that innovation on there too is just so awesome. Well, yeah. Well, thank you. That really means a lot actually to hear that because that, I mean, that is really completely what we're trying to do. Um, When I first started this six years ago, I mean, that was really the whole or the niche I saw is that so many of these outdoor gear brands are run by engineers and designers who are just innovating the outdoor industry in like such an incredible way and sort of have the flexibility and the nimbleness to be able to do to sort of like follow their creative ideas and whims and see what comes of it in a way that a big box brand just doesn't. They're looking at two-year lead times on their product design um, and then I was looking at, yeah, I'm like, so they're the engineers and designers, but they don't necessarily always know how to tell their story, get word out, build an audience, connect with customers, and kind of all of that, all that goes into marketing, which is which can be quite time intensive and really expensive. And then I was kind of looking at it from my side where I'm like, I love marketing. Like, (laughs) I love that aspect of business building and audience building and connecting with people and storytelling, which we do do a lot of through our online magazine, telling the story of who the people are behind these brands. I was like, if you asked me to sit down at a sewing machine or design something out in CAD, like, I would be completely lost. So, like, let's kind of take these two different skill sets knowing that I know how to market and sort of love that side of things. And now the team at GGG kind of knows how to do that and um, create this platform that can uh, give these entrepreneurs a spotlight and connect them to customers and help people find them. Yeah, one of our um, sponsors that supports what we're doing is Woolit out of New Zealand. Cool. And when we had her on our podcast a few months ago, she's like, oh, yeah, I just got in with Garage Phone Gear. And I'm like, that's so exciting because one of the issues we had um, with another brand that's international as well is that I actually think you guys also did the Nomad Nutrition. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, how do you, how do you, that, that's for if you're on a budget. 
you know, that's something that you have to really think about is the shipping costs. And so if you're getting a product overseas that is way superior than anything that's here in the U.S., you have to bite the bullet and, you know, pay the shipping or actually, you know, go with something else. And so it's nice to see um, that you guys have the international, um, some of the international brands that we really like as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's actually something we're doing more and more of is kind of looking beyond the U.S. borders and finding cool small startup and cottage brands in Europe or New Zealand or Canada and uh, or wherever and uh, making them available through GGG. And in a lot of cases, like, we're the only place where you can get them in the U.S. without, like you said, having to pay those international shipping fees. So six years ago, what was the first gear that you guys uh... – threw up on your website yeah we launched with 20 brands and i'm definitely not going to be able to rattle off all 20 right now um but some of the brands that have been on our website from the beginning um include hyperlight mountain gear uh, which you know is now like blown up into a pretty big company and you know six years ago i was talking to mike the founder and just like, hey, you know, he was supporting my vision. He was a few years into it at that point. Um, but yeah, Hyperlight Mountain Gear has been with us for six years. Um, and I certainly love those guys. Um, Giver has, is another one that's been with us all six years. Um, I believe Supai Adventure Gear, which um, makes really cool lightweight pack rafts. Um, was one of the originals. So yeah, we definitely have a few brands that have that go way back to the beginning. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, so like, how do you decide what companies to work with? Is it just small niche companies? Do you get the gear tested out, or I guess yeah. how's that process work? I mean, that's. I mean, if I was creating a gear or product, I mean, right. I think you get the perfect outlet to able to launch it out of yeah completely yeah so now it is a lot more people reaching out to us um either creators of gear kind of as they're launching their company or as they're just getting into it a few years into it um reaching out to us uh, we also get a lot of ideas from customers like our customers are amazing they're just so supportive and just so engaged in what we're doing and like grateful. I mean, I just love our customers so much. But um, Our customers reach out to us uh, quite a bit with like ideas of, hey, have you found this company? Or um, I love what you're doing. And I would also like to see XYZ brand on your store. Um, so we get a lot of feedback from customers. Um, but yeah, then beyond that, you know, we'll reach out to a brand or they'll reach out to us. And it's just really a conversation. We do test all of the gear we sell. It's really important to us that um, everything we sell, we like 100% endorse and stand behind and believe in and use ourselves. We're not kind of just like, we frequently do say no to brands, just like, yeah, it's a cool idea. We're just like, maybe needs a little more refinement or it's just like not a good fit with our audience. And and so we say, you know, like, yeah, let's keep the conversation open, but right now it's not a good time. Um, anyway, so we test the gear and then also just get get to know the people behind the brands too and um, just make sure we feel really good about what we're showcasing in our store. 
So speak or correlating with your website bio is the yoga skirt, or it's not actually the yoga skirt. Is the skirt still your favorite item? (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly one of them. I mean, to really pin me down on my favorite item would be like, oh, so hard because I love so much of what we sell. Um, But I. I love the Purple Rain Adventure skirt, and I love Mandy, who makes them, too. I actually just got to hang out with Mandy for a good handful of days at Trail Days in Damascus, Virginia, and it was just like, I went camping with her, like, after the event was over, and I mean, that's what I mean when I say, like, these business relationships have turned into personal friendships, and so I love her, and I love the gear she makes. So, yeah, that's definitely up there on the list. So looking back, what do you wish uh, you had known, you know, when you started Garage Bell Gear? Oh, my God. (laughs) That's a great question. Like, in some ways, ignorance is bliss. Like, if I had known everything, I might have been too scared to start. So um, in some ways, ignorance is bliss. But uh, what do I wish I had known? I think if I were – this is what I'd wish I'd known. Um, there's so many people that have so much advice for how to run a, a business. And a lot, and most of it is like well-meaning and well-intentioned. Um, but there's just like a deluge of shoulds that come at you when you're starting a business. You should do this. You should send out this. You should put up this. You should say it in this words. You should use this financing strategy. You there's just like, it's just like a deluge of what you quote unquote should be doing. And I mean, I've started telling myself like, stop, shouldn't, or don't should all over yourself. That's what I try to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's like my little mantra to like, keep in mind, like anytime I hear the word should, I like pause and think about it because sort of the beauty of a business and of being an entrepreneur is that you can do it any which way you want to do it. And like, that's amazing. And then also nobody knows your business better than you. So yeah, maybe that tactic or technique worked for that person in that situation, but it doesn't mean that it's your, your number one priority for your business. And I think for a long time, I was so lost in trying to do a business quote unquote right that I wasn't doing a business the way that like I saw or like the way I wanted to do it and sort of taking the path I saw forward. Um, So I think that would be the thing that like I wish I had known is just sort of being maybe more confident and secure in myself and kind of trusting myself to follow my own intuition and make my own decisions. And like, yeah, take people, you know, listen to people's advice. There's a lot of wisdom in other people's stories, but not feel like I have to do it how other people are telling me to do it. Yeah. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. So what is the vision in the future for GGG? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, very much just staying, true to our core of supporting small startup and cottage outdoor gear brands primarily in the ultralight backpacking arena. Um, And I do think there is just a ton of opportunity and growth sort of within that field. Um, 
but then being able, I mean, I think at this point, like our team is amazing. Our customers are amazing. The brands we work with are amazing. I think we're doing a really, like, I think we've found our place where we're providing a really strong service to our customers where they can come and find this gear and see a different option than what you might find in the big box store and use this really innovative, cool new gear, wildly cool, we like to say. Um, We have uh, just this really solid team in place. We've kind of figured out our business model. Um, We, you know, like it's all the pieces have finally clicked together in a way where you're like, okay, I see this and this is working, and it's amazing, Um, and we're having a positive impact and being able to financially support ourselves, and so this is amazing, and just being able to sort of continue that momentum in a way that, you know, I hope for growth. I hope someday when people are talking about, you know, where to buy gear, they, like, rattle off REI backcountry and GGG. Like, that's my hope is that someday we're kind of just rattled off on that list. That's awesome. So is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would really want our listeners to know? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing is that we like really, customer service is a big deal to us and we put a lot of focus and energy into having really awesome customer service and we're like pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, and I know that navigating gear, especially uh, the type of gear we sell, can be a little difficult sometimes. So, like, just never never feel shy about reaching out to us. We're always happy to help. <laughs> so I have a question I'm going to add that we didn't have on our list. Yeah. I just thought of being a gear company. So do you think there's value in the companies that do provide, like, videos and gear reviews from people? Um, especially since you guys have so much niche stuff. Do you think that's something you guys may do in the future is have um, some of the companies that work with you, like provide that or, you know, cause sometimes they'll, they'll get that. They'll, they'll get tagged on like Instagram or YouTube or something that someone um, did a review of their product that they love. Do they share that with you guys to have on their website? Or is that not something that um, you guys are maybe focusing on at this time? No, yeah, I mean, that's actually a really timely question, Um, because literally yesterday, Lloyd and I were talking about how this is, like, the next area that we need to expand into, of, like, there's all of these amazing reviews out there, and people out there using the gear, and how do we sort of further that mission of being a hub and a community to really... um, you yeah like to showcase you know the the content that our community is creating and making it more even more of that interactive experience where it's not us just like shouting things at our customers but where it is more of a conversation and more of an exchange of information um so yeah i mean from uh so that is actually very top and top of mind to answer your question I think from like a if if you're looking to if you're thinking about it from a business perspective or to make money there's certainly uh, a lot of opportunity there and it's also an incredibly competitive sort of crowded place so it's not that you can't find your way through but 
thinking about what you're going to do different than what everyone else is already doing out there. <laughs> well, I was thinking of it more like just from a consumer viewpoint, because yeah. I think of the last uh, backpacking tent we bought, you know, we um, had our budget in mind, but, you know, it was more than we really wanted to spend, but we knew based on the research we had done, we had to be in that price point to get the right one. And the one we ended up deciding on was we found someone, just some person that had done like a video and said, this is how you set it up. It's super easy. I love it. It's done, you know, X, Y, and Z. And we're like, this is exactly what we're looking for, you know? And so that actually sold for us. And so as a consumer, I would love to see more like normal everyday people like using products so we can see it's unbiased and you know i know there's you know things that people are biased on, but in general like an unbiased review well, it's just really just telling their story on how yeah. how they use it and yeah why they love <laughs> no i mean what you're touching on is like it's just i love how the universe like works sometimes because <laughs> lloyd and i were like literally talking about like as we move into the rest of 2019 and then as we start to set our vision around what we really want to focus on in 2020, like this is like exactly what we're talking about is wanting to um, bring sort of that into the fold of Garage Grim here. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think you guys would do awesome for it. It's a consumer over here in South Dakota. <laughs> awesome. We'll get you involved in all of this. So. <laughs> Um, yeah. in contact with you yeah so um, if you want to email us we're help at garagegrowngear.com um, help at garagegrowngear.com and then of course our website is like the main place to visit us which is just garagegrowngear.com uh, we're super active on Instagram so that's a follow on Instagram is another great connection point um, signing up for our newsletter um, is the best way to stay in the loop. We send out two newsletters a week. Um, one is focused on like product promotion sales, so we'll announce random flash sales. We'll announce new product and new gear that's added to our store. Um, so that's our Wednesday newsletter. And then our Sunday newsletter is a content roundup, so we publish two new articles, original articles to our online magazine every single week. One's a startup story that uh, tells the story of one of the brands we work with. The other one is typically a roundup of Kickstarters, outdoor gear Kickstarters that also can sometimes be gear reviews that we include in there. Yeah, and then we will also link out to other um, other articles from other people, other blog posts from other brands that we find interesting in that Sunday content roundup. So yeah, website, newsletters, Instagram, and always feel free to reach out to us via email. Awesome. Well, yeah. we do appreciate you having us on our uh, podcast and learning more about garage growing gear. And, you know, definitely if we're in the neck of the, your neck of the woods, we'll uh, reach out to see if you want to get a coffee and a hike. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I would love that. Please do. Anytime. And Amy and Jake, thank you so much. This has just been a pleasure and I really appreciate the opportunity. It was our pleasure as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, cheers. Cheers. If you haven't tried AeroPress brewed coffee, you haven't had coffee. 
It's a breakthrough in the brewing process that makes it the best coffee you have ever tasted. At home, on the road, or out on the trail, it brews rich and smooth coffee without the bitterness. Cleanup is a breeze, allowing you to get back to your passion. Try AeroPress today. Unnamed Adventures is a participant in various affiliate programs on our website. An affiliate advertising program is designed for sites to earn advertising fees by linking to products. The prices are the same you pay, but we receive a small commission that supports our blog, podcast, and helps us create more content. Thank you for all of your support.